You're listening to Industry Insights Podcast by New Talent Fashion. Good evening, everyone. Hope you're all doing well and welcome back to another episode of Industry Insights Podcast. I'm your host, Darren Adetossier, and this is a podcast all about insights into the fashion and creative industries with advice on how to break into them from the experts themselves. Now, for today's episode, we're going to be talking about a topic that by now I think you guys will probably be able to guess. It starts with an S, it ends with a Y, and that is sustainability. Now, if you guys are tuning in and like Darren I think we've got the gist of sustainability now why are we still talking about it look guys we're all about educating over here and sustainability is just one of those topics that we are not planning to leave alone because we are so passionate about it here at New Talent Fashion and think that it's an area that really should be at the forefront of our minds and our conversations and so if we can positively contribute to that then so be it and that is exactly what we're going to be doing today with our guest being Claire Brooke, the founder and operations director of Sustainable Africa Co. Now if you've been keeping up to date with our sustainability week content at New Talent Fashion, then Claire is a familiar face and name as we did an Instagram live with her over on our page at New Talent Fashion. So if you haven't watched that, then definitely head over to our Instagram for more. But today, Claire joins us on the podcast, which we're so excited about. And we're going to be talking about her business, Sustainable Africa Co., which is all about less waste, less plastic, and less impact. Operating from Zimbabwe, they aim to help African businesses reduce their footprint by offering sustainable alternatives to their current practice. Their biggest challenge is to reduce single-use plastic and when the use of packaging can't be avoided, they offer eco-friendly and compostable alternatives which emit up to 70% less greenhouse gases and can either be reduced to compost within 90 days or recycled in the paper stream. So they are doing big, big things and so it's such an honour to be speaking with Claire today and find out more about what it's like running a sustainable business, what caused her to start it and just really delve into her journey. So Claire, a huge thank you for joining us today. Hi Darren, thank you for having me. Thank you for joining. So I guess we should just jump straight into it in that you offer a quote-unquote niche business. Obviously sustainability is something which is so huge right now but what made you want to go into this business particularly with food packaging and what was sort of the process of starting it all? So um, Sustainable Africa is run by myself and my husband so it's a bit of a, a family business. But uh, we lived in the UK for 10 years um, and we came back to our homeland of Zimbabwe two years ago. Uh, And we wanted to bring something that was unique and something that reflected our experience of the first world. And sustainability was something that was just exploding in the UK at the time. And it was something we could see was really lacking in Africa. Mm. Um, so our mission was all about helping African companies operate more sustainably because there's very little education out here. There's very little understanding about what that even means. So we started with Sustainable Africa being quite broad and that we just knew that we wanted to go into something with sustainability. And then we narrowed that down. So as you know, sustainability is a huge minefield and I mean pretty much every single angle you come at it, every single industry needs to relook at the operations and needs to think about sustainability. Yeah. But you obviously can't take everything um, under your wing at once. So we settled on, on packaging because about 
I think 40% of all plastic produced is used for packaging. So we thought this was a pretty good area. Um, and then we narrowed that even further down to food packaging, uh, just because of the products on the market at the time were very apt and, and worked well in the food packaging industry. So we kind of just kept narrowing it down until we could find a niche. And so when you both decided that this is something that you wanted to do, you mentioned that in Africa it wasn't like a commonly known thing. What was the process like and the experience of trying to educate people, I guess, and sort of break into that new boundary? It's an ongoing process, and I think it'll be something that we will be doing forevermore. Sustainability is quite complex, and the African situation is quite unique sort of on the one hand we're really good because we're a very frugal nation we're a developing country and the income levels in Africa are much much lower than what you would find in Europe or America so the consumerization the consumerization is just not there Mm. Um, you know the the way that we act I mean just here in my house we 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 try not to waste anything I keep every single plus the container that I buy. I mean, I try not to buy very much, but if I do buy it, I keep it as Tupperware. I don't buy Tupperware. Yeah, same. Um, And if our cream goes off, which it does often, yeah, we make butter with it. So we don't, we try not to throw anything away and it's kind of inbred in us that we use everything. But at the same time, we're very uneducated in the way that Europe is. So our waste management here is not very good. you can't really rely on the government to do it and and there hasn't been a big campaign in the same way that the first world governments have done it Mm. to educate people Um, so you see a lot of dumping you see entire household waste being dumped right just in the middle of a field as you're walking by i mean i'm talking like dirty nappies and milk bottles wow and someone just hasn't had the care or the the thought process of well, if it's not in my garden or my backyard, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to go leave it there because either the council hasn't picked it up or they haven't, you know, sort of complied with the rules or paid the council tax. Mm. Um, And so that sort of attitude towards it's not my problem is growing and growing out here. I mean, I see people throwing entire pizza boxes out of their window because they can't wait to get home and put it in the trash can. Wow. So it's a huge problem, and it's a very different problem to what you would find in a first world country. You don't get that really. Mm. Um, at least pe- people are quite conscious of, of keeping litter to a minimum and following the rules and making sure you use the right bags. But of course, there's much, much m- more of it in the first world. Yeah. It's so crazy when you hear things like that, but then what I always need to remember, kind of what you referred to, that we all start from somewhere, like growing up, you mentioned that you didn't have an education on it. And I think that we can all hold our hands up high and say that probably in the last five years is when I think everyone became a bit more eco-conscious and environmentally friendly. So for those people who are listening then, who are perhaps a bit guilty of things that we've just discussed or are at the very beginning of their own sustainability journey, um, what resources would you point in their direction or what things did you personally find really helpful when you were doing your education journey? So, um, you know, I've been, I've been in the same sort of place when, when I was growing up. We didn't get taught any of this. Mm. Um, so all of my sustainability is self-learned 
and obviously being in this line of work, you sort of dig into it a bit deeper than than the average human would do. Um, but one of the things I've learned is actually separation of waste is one of the most powerful ways that you can combat um, plastic pollution um, and, and also the other types of pollution that there are out there. Mainly because, especially in the UK, if it's not separated um, correctly, it just goes to landfill. And if it's not put in a bin, it could end up in the waterways and that's where you see everything that ends up in the sea. Right. So one of the most powerful things you can do is really think about what you're doing. Try and wash your plastic if you can, because again, they're very strict about washed plastic. If it's not washed, they the automation process is so huge, they don't have time to wash it for you. They're not going to employ labor to sit and, and wash out your milk bottle. It'll probably just be diverted to landfill. So even mm. though you've done the right thing by putting it in the right bin, uh, it doesn't always get recycled. But if you can keep a tidy and you know clean recycling bin, the chance of that plastic being recycled is very high. Okay. And it's the best way, apart from avoiding it completely, to in it, and to ensure that it has a longer lifespan. Um, so that would be one. And then obviously the other is right now because governments aren't imposing strict plastic bans. We do have to support sustainable businesses with our wallets. So we almost have to vote with our with our wallet or with our feet and buy the products that aren't using plastic or are visibly trying to reduce their waste, even though they might end up being more more mm. expensive. If we don't do that, we're almost saying, No, we don't mind that there being, you know, tons and tons of plastic in the sea. We don't mind there being too like too little space to have landfills because we didn't want to pay the one or two pounds extra. Mm. So yeah, my my journey to food sustainability has gone from pretty much no understanding at all because yeah. we don't get we didn't get taught that kind of stuff in school to to you know obviously trying my best to to consciously every day make the right choices. Um, I think probably in terms of resources, there are a lot of really good. Uh, documentaries that are coming out these days. There's so many on Netflix. Yeah, um, I know there's one called Seaspiracy that's just come out. I haven't had a chance to watch it. Neither. But Everyone's been talking. Like um, and it's probably the easiest way to consume that data. Otherwise, there are you know publications and newsletters that are they they sort of speak the green language if you like. You know, they're all about sustainability, but that's that is a bit more difficult to consume um and also the governments especially in the first world countries do have good information on on how to do certain things so if it's like you wanting to find out more about how you should recycle they would have that quite plainly written um so that you can understand it true yes i love the point that you made about something like a documentary being just so much more um, consumable and just like you can engage with it a bit better. Um, I think I've been vegetarian for like eight years now and what made me switch was watching the, um, what was it called? Earthlings documentary. And I just think okay. that, yeah, like, and I was what, 13 years old then. So it's um, documentaries and films, I think are such great ways, particularly for like our young generation to engage with because it's just so easy to watch. Um, so yeah, love that point. And I, I need to watch Seaspiracy too. I'm hearing great things about it. 
Yeah, and it just makes it so easy for us these days. They, they're not a chore to watch. They're not reading through academic journals. Um, but I would say watch as many as you can because obviously with any news piece or article, it can be biased on one side or it might not tell the full story. So the more you can watch, the more you learn and do your own research as well. Don't just take it as you've watched one documentary and that must be the truth because there are a lot of different elements to sustainability uh, and it's all about doing what you can, taking the small steps, um, you know, working on it every single day. It doesn't need to be something that scares you in a big way. Yes, that's such an important point. Um, So if we're now to sort of just do a bit of a reflection, in our podcast we have a reflection moment to all of our guests, Um, and you're to reflect from the very beginning of Sustainable Africa Co to where you are today. What would you say have been the highs and the lows? We always like to end things on a high. So if we start off with some of the challenges that you faced, specifically given that you are a sustainable business, um, what would you say the biggest challenges you faced were and how you overcame them? And then on the flip side of things, what have been um, the best part? And um, yeah, if you could share both of those, please. I think one of the biggest challenges Um, Although we don't get too many of them in Zimbabwe, but worldwide, there's a lot of naysayers out there. Um, They think if a product isn't absolutely perfect, then there's no point in taking it up whatsoever. So, you know, it's all a process. Um, Our products, some are absolutely brilliant and sustainable. Some are still sustainable, but not as sustainable as the others. And there's a lot of naysayers out there that will call that greenwashing, that we're just giving companies an out. But it's really not like that at all. Sustainability is a journey. Stuff is being invented and innovated every single day. But what we do have to start doing is something. We've got to start taking steps now because if we don't, the other option is that we continue to use plastic. So that was quite tricky at first because obviously you, when it's your product and your business, you take things very personally. But it did, it spurred me on to do more research, to have more understanding, to keep looking at the future. There's so many amazing innovations coming down the line. Um, It's just going to keep getting better and better. And one thing that I always tell my clients is that sustainability is not a tick in the box. Mm. I probably will come to you in six months' time, two years' time with another product that's even better than the product that you've got now, even more sustainable. And you just have to keep evolving. You just have to keep an open mind and keep realizing that you you're on a journey you're not going from from a to b it'll be a to z more like it um and then the highs um probably the absolute best feeling in the world for us is being consumers of our own product so we supply a lot of takeaways around around Zimbabwe and it is just amazing to go and get a takeaway and get it in our beautiful sustainable <laughs> containers so and we just because we also know so much about the product we know how zero waste that is you know mm. we go we eat delicious food then i walk down we're lucky lucky enough to have a compost heap in our garden so i'll walk down and i'll put it on the compost heap and i'll get to watch that degrade over time that's brilliant and and that's a fantastic feeling because we actually know that we're making a difference mm. yeah i can imagine that's so rewarding it's fantastic. And after our first year business, so we've only been in business about 
a year and a half. We're just coming up to our two-year birthday now. We did a reflection and we looked back at, you know, what we'd sold and, and who we'd sold to. And we realized that we'd sold 155,000 sugarcane clam, clamshells. And oh that's one gosh. of our most sustainable products that we have. And the realization for us is that we prevented 155,000 plastic clamshells from being made. And wow. For that, it, for us, it was just this huge kind of realization that we actually were making a difference. And we, you know, even though sometimes it doesn't feel like it, we were reducing yeah. the plastic. And, you know, every little step helps. There's obviously so much more out there. But every new customer that joins us means that there's less demand for the alternative product in plastic. Yeah. And it's just fantastic. Gosh, even I got goosebumps then, 155,000. That's amazing. And I think that, you know, as like a business owner, I'm sure taking those reflections are just so important and they just keep you going and keep you so motivated. Um, and so I guess then slightly moving away from sustainability, although I'm not sure how we can do that given that is the essence of your business, um, but focusing more on just general business owner and founder tips. Um, how have you found being, you know, the owner of Sustainable Africa Co and what's that experience like? It's a it's a total roller coaster. For anybody who knows or, or runs a business, they will understand sort of what I'm saying is that you've got your highs and your lows mm. and they are because it's 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 your product and your baby, they are so much higher and so much lower than the lows that you would get as being employee, um, but you know we were also first-time business owners. We've never owned a business before, so um, we went into this new industry that we hadn't worked in, running a business which we'd never done before, and we've made a lot of mistakes and learnings along the way. But you do have to sort of reflect every now and again, see how far you've come. Yeah, I think uh, the biggest advice is keep reading. I read try and read um, every sort of week and I and I sort of try and balance it between reading a novel versus reading a business book because that is the quickest way to learn what other people, what other mistakes people have made because it's all about learning. Mm. Um, it's not really about, oh, but you made this mistake. It's all about, okay, but what am I taking away from that experience? So learn as much as you can. Do as much work as possible whilst you're still employed somewhere else because as soon as you have given up that day job and you've jumped into this new world of business ownership you are very much in control of the salary you pay yourself which probably will for the first few years always get sacrificed for another business opportunity so keep your costs as low as possible work from home use the amazing technology that there is out there you don't have to rent offices from day one. You don't have to have all the fancy packages that you would have used as an employee. That will all come, you know, much later down the line and do as much learning as you can. That's such amazing advice. And I think that for any of our listeners out there who are looking to start your own business or are currently business owners in the early stages, that's definitely a point to note down. Um, And so, Claire, if you were to 
again, another reflection moment, um, look back to yourself at the very beginning of your journey and give yourself one piece of advice. It could be personal, it could be business related, but just one piece of advice you'd wish you had at the start of your journey, what would that be? <laughs> There's so many. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> um, but I think it would probably be have confidence in yourself although sometimes it feels like it's an uphill struggle yeah it does get easier um so one of the the mentors or sort of kind of business uh type uh what would you call it i guess like short lessons i've had is that this starting a business is a bit like moving a really really big wheel to get it going takes a lot of effort it takes a lot of time it takes all your strength mm. but once it starts moving that momentum kicks in and eventually it starts spinning on its own and that's how i sort of see business being that at the beginning of anything it's really tough and you've got to really push and pull and struggle to get that wheel to move yeah but the more it moves the more it gathers momentum and the easier it does get Wow, Claire, did you rehearse that? That was beautiful. <laughs> I just, I remember it. I remember it from a course that I was on, and I thought, gosh, that makes a lot of sense. That's brilliant. <laughs> My goodness, what a note to end on. Um, Claire, it has been so great speaking with you today. Um, I honestly have loved everything that you've shared and I mean, gosh, guys, I'm still in awe at that final quote from Claire. <laughs> um, Honestly, it has been brilliant to speak with you and hear your insights as a business owner. Um, and thank you so much for sharing all of your tips and your advice. Um, I am sure that we're all listeners. I'm sure we're all grateful for it. Um, and so, Claire, if any of us would like to find you on social media or find the business, uh, here's your chance to plug. <laughs> um, yes, well, we're very easy. We're all at Sustainable Africa Co. Um, on all of our handles and then we've also got a website which is www.sustainableafrica.com fabulous nice and easy sometimes people like instagram is this and twitter is that but we've got a very streamlined brand here love to see it um but claire a huge thank you for coming on today once again um and if you guys enjoyed this episode we would love if you could let us know by giving a good review on wherever you listen to this podcast here and also let us know on our instagram at new talent fashion by sending us a dm but i'm afraid that's all we have time for today thank you so much for listening and i'll catch you all in the next episode bye